Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode with local musician, filmmaker, and author Jason Martinko. If you are one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. This week, my friend Josh Bakaitis is on the show. And chances are, if you're involved in the Pittsburgh music scene, you already know who Josh is. But for those of you out there who don't know Josh, he is a local concert promoter who has been putting events together for over 15 years now, including the uh, Strip District Music Fest, which is coming up on Saturday, January 16th. If you don't know what the Strip District Music Fest is, don't worry, because me and Josh are going to talk about it a lot today, as well as dive into some history lessons about his origins as a show promoter and a musician and a, a lover of music in general and just a lot, lot more. Uh, much like myself, Josh is really passionate about music. He's just a passionate person in general when it comes to his job and, like I said, the local music scene. And this is a great conversation, which we'll get to in a minute. But before we do, I just want to point out all of the links that I've provided in the episode description, particularly the links for the Strip District Music Fest. This is a huge, free-to-the-public, all-day event happening literally all over the Strip District area of Pittsburgh, PA on January 16th. I'm talking live music comedy, food and drink, like there's over 150 artists uh, in almost like two dozen locations spanning the entire Strip District area. It's nuts. Seriously, uh, you can get more details at stripdistrictmusicfest.com and I'm just so pumped for this. Uh, I'm going to be hosting a live Start the Beat podcast at the festival, actually, with an awesome panel of guests that will be announced at a later date. And uh, in addition to that, I'm also playing live sets with both of my bands, uh, Sykes and the New Violence, as well as Grey Walker. And so, yeah, <laughs> between the podcast, Sykes and Grey Walker, it's going to be a real hectic day for me personally. But I'm really looking forward to it, and you should be looking forward to it. Last year was a huge success, and I think this year's going to be even better. So, you know, if you're new to this podcast and you're new to me in general, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Sykes. There's also a Facebook page specifically for the podcast. It's Start the Beat with Sykes. If you're listening to this on iTunes or you're you know, someone who has iTunes, just be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And last, but certainly not least, Start the Beat is part of the Epicast family, which you can find at epicastnetwork.com. And Drinking Partners, who is also part of the Epicast Network, is also going to be doing a live podcast at the event. And, you know, I don't know why I'm telling you so much about the event now, because me and Josh are about to talk about it a lot. So, yeah. Again, all of the links to everything I just mentioned are in the description below or in the description attached to this episode. If you can find the link to wherever you're listening to it, I'm rambling. Let's just get on with the conversation. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking bait. Just sit down. This is a cool spot. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I like it. So you've never been on a on a podcast before, or like any sort of a recorded. This isn't really an interview. I don't want this to be an interview. It's a conversation. But okay, have you ever like done anything like this? I've never before? done never done anything like recorded like this. It's it's kind of weird. Well, I, I appreciate uh, you yeah, letting I, me do it as 
nagging you long enough about it. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's so awesome. the reason why we're here, we could just get into it, is uh, the Strip District Fest, or the Strip District Music Fest, I should say. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I right. figure we can start there, and then from there, I'm going to branch out into other things about you and your past and what you give a shit about okay you know that sounds so, good but we'll, yeah. st- we'll start at the fest rather than slowly working to it i think we can work backwards so yeah sounds good so for anybody that doesn't know what is the strip district music fest so the strip district music fest sort of started last year by accident really i was just trying to figure out some things to book uh at altar bar you know whenever it was a slow time of the year and i couldn't really come up with anything so i was like well what can I do to bring everybody to the whole neighborhood and help everybody? Yeah. Um, that's really how it got started. One night I like came up with the idea and like the next day I was reaching out to the bands and, uh, and sponsors and the venues. Like, and then it, it, it was like a huge It thing. happened extremely quick. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean the idea came like, I don't know, something like November 1st or something like that. Uh, and the event was January 17th last year. So booked this thing, announced it, got everybody on board, and then had this great event. And it was uh, special. I mean, the camaraderie between the bands was insane, you know, and people genuinely seemed excited about what was going on with local music. And it's certainly not the first festival like this. And also, there's other ones in Pittsburgh, too. But uh, I don't know, there, there was just something different about this one. Maybe it was the time of the year and uh i don't know i don't know what it was i don't know i'd never really seen anything like it at least on this scale in pittsburgh Mm -hmm. like the scale of it is just like really intimidating Mm -hmm. but it's fun yeah last year whenever i saw like the the schedules that were printed out it was just like holy shit this is crazy Mm -hmm. and like starting to like figure out where i'm gonna go when i'm gonna go to like see who i want to see it was like a lot of fun it's like a scavenger hunt slash show yeah it is getting to explore that area of the strip Mm -hmm. for sure and and one thing i'd i would love to figure out how to do is sort of come up with a game plan like say hey you like this band then you might like this band then you might like this band too almost create these routes you know oh that could be really cool yeah i don't know exactly how i'm gonna do that yet but uh i think that would be a nice way to to kind of introduce people to more stuff i mean one thing that i heard from people was they don't generally go to like local shows really so they don't, yeah they're just names on paper to them like uh not to everybody but you know certain people had a hard time with that so trying to figure out a way to really recommend you know something yeah, it, for everybody it, it could be really cool i mean it's probably way too late to do this now but if you had some sort of an app that you could download and you could like plug in your interests and it somehow uh automatically like assigns like oh you like pop music and indie rock so you'll like nevada color or emerson J. exactly Center, or you like that would death metal you would like you know Bethlehem or gray walker yeah that's sick yeah that would be a good idea it probably wouldn't be that hard to do really you just yeah. gotta just tag the, put all the yeah the and then, database yeah. yeah and then like then have like a little link to uh, where they're playing and when and stuff you mm-hmm. would just need like somebody to design it yeah basically and you know how getting anybody to do anything's really really hard yeah so um that's the next things you handle a lot of this stuff yourself but i mean you have like the help of a lot of like good people sure too yeah. backing you but still like a majority of this does rest on your shoulders i'm assuming as far as the festival goes yeah over the years have you kind of like been sort of like a, if you want it done right do it yourself type of person or do you try to like reach out to people a lot see i go i go both ways uh I I believe in in sharing everything and uh for example like I reached out to Jake Steele uh the artist to see if he would curate you know live art you know for the festival as part of the event you know what I mean yeah yeah I'm not connected enough in that world to be able to know what makes the most sense you know what I mean and and I think that way for a lot of different things even uh the other shows that I do you know just having the right people involved to to get the word out more and curate a better event, you know? Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, I have a vision of like the way that I want something to look graphically even. Uh, and I'll go through a couple different designs and I'm just not happy with it. Sure. So the last two years I ended up at the last minute just ended up 
doing the poster design myself, <laughs> you know? And well, that's the thing is I know you do have some background in like doing design work and stuff, right? And yeah. you've played in bands and you've been promoting shows. So like you have knowledge in all of the things, at least a lot of the things that go into putting together an event like this. Mm-hmm. And so you know what needs to be done to do it right. So it's like, why bother reaching out to somebody when I can do it myself? Yeah. It's just hard finding the time to do all of those things yourself. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm the same exact way. It's Certainly. Yeah. Really hard to let go and mm-hmm. just let put your vision into someone else's hands and really trust them. Yeah, exactly. It's That's super, the hardest super thing. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I mean, I, I believe in that. Like I, I want more people to be involved in, yeah. you know, but at the same time I'm very stubborn, you know, and uh-huh. I don't know, it's my baby, this festival, and I'm really proud of it. And I just want it to be perceived the right way. Oh, the sure. Way that I have visioned. And, you know, and like last year, obviously it was, sort of like a, a shot in the dark mm-hmm. and it turned out to be great. So now there's sort of like this bar that's been set. I know. I'm real nervous <laughs> about that bar. <laughs> Don't be nervous about yeah. it. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it actually, it, it, you uh, have all of the, uh, most of the same people that made last year are involved this year. Mm-hmm. Plus more. Plus more. Yeah. So I forget what the exact count was last year, but I think I ended up having 75 to 80 artists in this year. Uh, it's, it's over 150 right now, uh, which is insane. And I didn't realize how many bands I was like, said that they could be on it until I was like putting the schedule together last week. And I was like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> like, it's insane. Like, so you're, are you, you're specifically handling the scheduling yourself as well? Or have you like split that up between no, some trusty people you're doing it? I do it. I mean, I just like, I have a, an idea of like what, I want in each venue and yeah. what I believe like makes the most sense aesthetically with what's going on. Like Framezilla last year was, um, it's a framing store, but the vibe in there is, uh, I don't know exactly how to explain it. it it's like a house party almost. It's a little bit of a house party. It kind of makes me feel like I'm at like a cabin. I don't know why. Uh, I, got, I, I, my, the vibe, like for lack of a better term, the vibe I got was hipster house party. Yeah. For but sure. it was awesome in there. I loved it in there. I don't know what it is about that space that reminds me of like folky music too. Sure, kind of. Yeah. Something about that space. I just think of fo- like folk indie rock, uh, and so that's what's programmed there. Yeah, and uh, like Alter Bar, for example, uh, we do we generally do a lot of heavier bands there. You know, throughout the year, and technically that space is like well equipped to be able to handle full bands already. So that's like the space that I end up using for louder bands and like artists that need a little bit more production mm-hmm. and the yeah i mean the wineries for singer songwriters really so it's all pretty specific yeah i mean it makes sense once you get to it i think that if you're somebody who's attending the festival you might be able to guess kind of what's going on depending on your knowledge of the strip although i did watch slaves bc and 21st street coffee last year yeah that was which sick. was awesome but yeah. definitely not what you would expect to mm-hmm. see in a space like that. But that's what I like about it too, is that it's, it is, it's putting bands in situations that don't necessarily really make sense Mm -hmm. completely. Um, And I don't want people to stay at one place all day long. Like the reason this event is fun to go to is because you can walk around the whole neighborhood and experience something different everywhere. And yeah. uh, And I think that that's important. As far as like putting events together go, you know, this is, you've been promoting shows for, Close to maybe like half your life, could you say? Uh, actually, I was th- I was thinking that yesterday. I was like, oh crap! Like I've right? been doing this for s- almost sixteen years. Next yeah. year, and I'm twenty eight. Uh, okay, so yeah, like more than half your life almost. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. This is like a really stupid question. I'm sure I already know the damn answer to it. But like, what like made you want to book that first show? Like, not necessarily what was the show, but, like, what made you, like, feel like, I need to do this, or it just kind of, like, get thrown into your lap, like... I mean, it... Again, like, it kind of happened by accident, really. I mean, I didn't even know I was booking a show. Did you have... Was it, like, friends' bands or something like that? It was, yeah. So, okay. So, actually, the first show, technically, I ever booked... uh, I used to run a website called pitbands.com whenever I was 12. This was... And I was, like, living at my parents' house in the suburbs. Okay, wait, okay. So, you're 12, and you're running a website. Yeah. For local music? Yeah, but... Now, where did that come from? I started dabbling in website design, you know, in about 1999, 2000-ish. At that point, 
bands didn't have websites, you know, like it was hard to get them. So sort of what happened was like bands that I was friends with, like the Berlin Project or Punchline or Misdirected, I don't know, like various different like pop punk bands uh, that I was connected with. I Well, actually, I wasn't connected with yet. I would just send them random emails and was like, hey, you guys need a website or... Uh, you need somebody to manage your website while you're on tour, you know? That's yeah. what I did with Punchline. I mean, at that point, you couldn't update your website from the road. So they would send, like, they would mail pictures. I would scan them and post them on their website uh, and just make sure, th- like, their news was updated, things like that. That's awesome. Did any did they know that you're, like, this 12-year-old kid on a computer? Uh, they found out pretty quickly, <laughs> but I don't think they realized <laughs> then, you know, like, right at no, first. That's awesome. Okay. And, yeah, same thing with the Berlin Project, too. I was too young to really go to shows at that point yet, you know, like... How did you, like, what was the interest in music from, though? Just, like, do you have, like, music in your family, or do you just, like, come across, like, shit that you liked just from being a kid? Yeah, I mean, it sort of did, yeah. So, um, my aunt, uh, I always found a lot of interest in what she did for a living. So, she was a radio personality um, for, like, a a radio station here for years for my whole life at that point i just thought it was so cool that like she was on the radio and like did this like it's so cool so i like i think i found interest in it in like the business part because of that but my cousin uh was a drummer and i just thought that that was cool and so he was in this band called misdirected from bel vernon i uh i don't know i just wanted to go see his band play and so that's whenever I found Punchline. That's whenever I found okay. it makes sense. all those bands. All right, yeah, yeah. It really came from there. Okay. So you were making websites. Or you, so then this all, you were managing websites for bands. And then you made the, the pitbands.org or what did you say it pitbands.com. was? Pitbands.com. It wasn't a .org. I yeah. apologize. Yeah. So pitbands.com, yeah, which pit- somehow led you into putting together your first show. Yeah. So pitbands.com uh, is funny because... One, I was too young to go to shows, but I just, I would see like listings on like, I don't know, what I would do is like, I would pull like 31st Street Pub's calendar and like repost it on this website or yeah. or Laga's calendar. I'd post it on this site, you know, and like, uh, just like share like what was going on. It's and funny like to think about like all the adults were probably too busy to take the time to do that, but like you had nothing else to do. So you're it. just like it was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like. I just found this weird interest in like local music and uh and I still do. I mean like that's I love seeing local bands grow and uh I don't know. It's weird. But um so yeah, so the uh the the com website how it turned into doing my first show was I didn't really know what I was doing, but I remember seeing the Berlin Project, whenever they were on tour, what they would do is they would show trade with all these bands. You know, these bands would book them in Chicago or Cleveland or something. And the trade was, hey, we'll bring you to Pittsburgh and uh, we'll do like an all-day festival, quote-unquote festival. You know, just a long show, basically. Yeah, yeah. So that I thought that was cool that the Berlin Project did that and I didn't really understand what that was. Um, I was like, well, I mean, I'll just do something like that like for like a one-year anniversary party like summer party for this what for pit bands oh, okay and then i quickly I, I don't know i put this i put this lineup together with a bunch of local bands at uh american music cafe in in murraysville and i quickly realized that i had no idea what i was doing um i didn't even know i booked a show like it it sounds funny to say that but like that wasn't my agenda to like book an event and like get anything out of it i just thought it was cool that like other people did it and like i just wanted i liked these bands so i just wanted to see them play together yeah so that is technically the first show i booked but because i realized i did i bit off more than i could chew i decided i'm gonna do a smaller scale show before that one as like a trial like oh, okay a test like to see if i can actually do this r- bigger one okay I remembered seeing Punchline play at the Schaller VFW uh, that same summer, and I I just thought it was awesome. I don't know. I loved uh, these bands like the Ezekiel, uh, Hooray for Everything, uh, the Logan Wish, like all these like emo bands. Yeah. From two thousand two thousand one, it's like well I'll just put them on a show together and see what happens. Um, 
So it was like a four or five band show. I can't remember exactly. Uh, that was that was actually the first show that I ever booked. Where was that one at? That was at the Charlotte VFW. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but again, like I didn't really know that I was booking these shows. Like I didn't know what it was turning into. I just thought it was cool that these bands played together. Like my dad collected the money at the door. My mom <laughs> was my bouncer, and and I just really just cared about watching the bands. Yeah. I didn't really do anything else, like uh-huh. you know. So I don't know. Like from that point, did it, it just like was there um, any sort of like downtime between like maybe the next event you tried to book, or did it just like start to just kind of like the ball started rolling just from there? It just went crazy it, from there. Yeah, I mean, like the I think it was that the, the Charlotte VFW show, the Pit Bands Fest. And then I might have did two other shows after that. And then I was like, well, I want to start reaching out to these booking agents. And I don't know. I didn't want to go crazy with it. I still like wanted to be like doing smaller shows. I didn't want to take like big risks on, on things. So, But the first national band I ever booked was Rise Against. Um, and at that point, you know, they weren't very far along yet. They were still a small band, you know? Yeah, and, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't know exactly. I mean, it's so long ago, 2001 or two at this point. Um, no, it definitely would have been 2001. You know, there might have been 20 people there tops, you know? And I don't know. That's just like such a weird, a weird thing. And, you know, like the booking agent I dealt with was like an intern at this small agency. And then he ends up, he's now like one of the biggest agents in the world. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's, like, crazy, actually. <laughs> uh, I did have these weird periods where, like, I would get a little bit burnt out. I was like, ah, I think I'm done with this. Sure. And then I'd get offer, I'd offer a cool show, you know, from an agent, and I'd be like, well, I think I'm going to come back now. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. It's been, like, I guess probably the first year I was like, okay, this is actually what I want to do, like, for a living, you know, and, like, make a career out of, like, booking shows. I, within the first year, I knew that for real. So, and that's pretty much what you've been doing to some extent since then, correct? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had any other like day jobs or anything like that. Like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old years. Did you ever have any like shitty jobs or anything like that? Or I know it sounds so weird, but like my friend, my friends make fun of me because I never have had like a a job like that. Really. Oh, really? I've only ever like I did. Um, I also did like drafting work, like architectural drafting stuff, like for okay. my dad. Uh, my dad is like an architect, and uh, I don't know, he needed help, and I just like just learned how to do that for a little bit. All right. Um, and the web design stuff, like really, that was like kept, yeah. that was my money maker. That's how I made a living. Well, not a living. I was still a teenager, like you know, doing this, like. Um, but I like, that's how you made money. That's how I made money. Whenever sure. I was that old, I would do websites basically. But I mean, now I just do shows. Mm-hmm. And I know that for a while, uh, you were playing in bands. You've played in bands in the past, I should say. Right. Yeah. So when did that happen? Like, what was the time frame of like you picking up an instrument? Was this before mm. anything or was this maybe like a little bit after like you had done a couple shows and decided you wanted to like put your hand into it so it kind of went hand in hand like uh my cousin's band who i would go see that's where i met you know a couple of my best friends and i was like well let's just like start playing music together so we started out playing uh around that same time 2000 to 2003 we were playing like poppy like emo stuff yeah you know and then at a weird point maybe 2003 or so it turned into us wanting to sound more like screamo. <laughs> you uh, don't say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. The, the year sounds right. It, exactly. <laughs> but it was like, it was awesome. And now looking back, I'm like, man, we were like actually onto something because it was like grimy a little bit, but like twinkly. And I know this sounds like a bad, no, I know I, what you mean. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like real screamo. Yeah. And then it, quickly after that turned into well actually we should probably play like metal because like i don't know for whatever reason at that point we're like maybe we want to like be a band like like for real like we were actually we had this idea that we were gonna like be like this big like a band like we wanted (laughs) to really do it like really do it yeah so we we went metal instead because it's a little bit more accessible i guess okay so we did that for i guess until about 2006 what was the band called 
the metal band was called the Abattoir Murders. Okay. Um, but the the sick screamo band was called the Robot Hum. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. Is there any recordings? There are a couple of recordings. Yeah, I should They're re-release it. Anniversary. Yeah. Maybe we'll right? maybe we'll put them in this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll sure. send you some links. All right. Great. And then the band before that, uh, we were called Farewell Dharma, mm-hmm. uh, the emo band. But I don't know. It's fun. Was that the full band name? Farewell Dharma, yeah. the emo band? Oh, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Hey, guys. This is Marta from Marta on the Move. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. When you're done with this one, you should go check out mine on www.martaonthemove.com. On the Epicast Network, you can find me on Twitter at I Can't Find Marta. If you like interesting people and places in Pittsburgh, food and drink, travel advice, and general nerdery check it out and keep it moving down the road i guess you decided you liked being behind the scenes more than playing shows or was it that's that's what it was absolutely yeah i don't know i i'm traumatized a little bit at why at abador murders like (laughs) our biggest show ever uh it was our album release show. We played a really big venue. I fell on my face. No. In front of the whole crowd. Are you serious? I did. What, what instrument? I played bass. Okay. Yeah. But ba- like bass we were, on your face. Yeah, bass on my face. <laughs> we tried, we like tried to be like crazy. Well, like, okay, so it was so like that. Yeah. I was like jumping around. I thought it was so cool. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna. I remember specifically thinking. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna jump on the drum riser and then jump off. It's gonna be sick. <laughs> I jumped on the drum riser and like basically like destroyed the drums. <laughs> I mean, I'm exaggerating a little I know, bit, I know. but uh, I mean, not I'm not exaggerating that much. You know, it was fun. Yeah, but, uh, but so I mean, I'm not blaming it all on that. Well, I mean, I d- that shit happens. There was a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm done with like trying to take this seriously, and uh, I graduated high school and I was like, okay, like I need to do something um like money job like yeah life what am i doing i started thinking about that mm-hmm. you know so uh at that point that's whenever i was like okay well i think i'm actually like gonna quit the band stuff uh like for real and start to really focus more on the shows and was that like something that you were happy to do or were you like a little bit bummed about it no i was happy to do okay. it i just felt that was the right move all right but a couple i mean i still have the itch now like if I could get the right group of people, I would love to play some emo songs again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'd love to. Uh, but, you know, schedules and, you know, and finding the group of people that, like, don't want to take it that seriously. Like, Yeah, it's it's hard because it's there's this weird line between not taking it seriously and then, like, taking it seriously enough that it's worth the time that you mm-hmm. are putting into it. Like, yeah. that's exactly what happened with Grey Walker. It was all mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're just going to do, like... A little bit of things like like play a show here then let's not make a big deal out of it but it's like well fuck like we're doing good stuff and we're getting a good response and it's like how the fuck do we balance this out yeah it's exactly. like we're trying to not take this seriously but it's still like well we're still recording albums and people want to buy shit and people are coming to shows and we're doing good so exactly why not take advantage of it and like oh because you have a kid and you're in school and this and that and it's like fuck yeah it 10 years it, too late. I know. I know. It makes it tricky. I don't know. And going back to being a perfectionist, sort of, is I really just like want to put out like an EP that like looks good. Like it looks pro. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, want, I want to take it seriously in that way. Like I want to be proud of it. Like to say in 10, 20 years that like I did that. Did you ever get to release an album with any of the projects you were in? Uh, yeah, so Abattoir Murders was the only oh, band. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said that was an album. I'm, not, I'm sorry. Show. That actually wasn't the only band. I I feel bad. I uh, I was, I was also played bass in Blue of Colors for a little while, too. Okay. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed playing those songs. And it was fun because I did. it wasn't very serious. Like, uh, Steve from Punchline was the, you know, it was his, it's his side project. Yeah. Uh, he wrote the songs, and I just played bass. And yeah, just show my, up and do I just, it. I just played the bass lines that were already written, and I don't know. It was fun. Uh, that's sort of, I mean, I guess at this point what I'm interested in, you know what I mean? It's not necessarily so much 
the creation, mm-hmm. but more that just being a part of it and being on stage playing and like just being there. Exactly. Not, yeah. Yeah. Not like ripping your hair out over writing the parts and yeah. trying to get your like vision heard. Or but the whatever. crazy thing is, is that there at the same time though, there's there is something that I really am interested in as far as writing a song with a group of people. You're obviously someone who's very passionate about music. Mm-hmm. You like music. You I like do. a wide variety of music. I've talked to you about all sorts of shit, you mm-hmm. know, from twinkly emo shit to the locust. So yeah. like you you care about it. Yeah. So I think when you care about anything enough, there gets to that point where you're like, I want to do this and learn how it works. You yeah. Know? Like, how many kids do you know that like movies and then tried to make a shitty movie? Mm-hmm. It's like, the movie might not be that good, but it's still awesome that you did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I really do love, like, I love everything. And that's go- kind of going back to the festival a little bit. And that's that's what I like about this event is it's not there's not one genre like oh yeah you know and i think that that's really important that's another thing that's actually really unique about this festival compared to other ones that i've seen happen in the city mm-hmm. well, it was just like the diversity yeah. of it and that's important i think um, yeah definitely cuz like whether it's intentional or not a lot of the festivals that tend to happen tend to, they usually exclude something mm-hmm. you know like I guess I get it. Yeah. Whatever. I, don't, I, I can't imagine that that is a, an intentional thing. I think probably what it comes down to, I mean, this is assumption, but because this is what I do like for a living and like I do shows and I'm more connected with these spe- specific different uh, worlds of music. Oh, yeah. It's probably easier for me to be able to reach out to, you know, all these gr- these other groups of uh, genres. That's true. Than, um, you know, in the other events, maybe. Um, that, I don't know. That's just my thoughts on that. Or maybe they, it is intentional that it's curated. I mean, the, the I other get it. You know, I, it's like I'm mature enough to understand that you might not want like the death metal band playing your family fun, sure. friendly festival. Yeah. But still, like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Let's get, get a little crazy. Yeah. Laughing it up. Yeah. And you know? I don't know. Like I won't say any bad words. Yeah. I'm just going to yell at you. Yeah. There's, I don't know. There's a, there is a fine line there. Like, there are certain types of, even though it is diverse, there are certain things I won't go too far on. Like, I I don't know. I can't really give a, a great example, but like if we if we Pittsburgh had a a Gigi Allen, yeah, he would not be playing the Strip District uh, Music Festival. I don't know about that necessarily. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the right stage. You might just you might just tell him that he can show up on a corner somewhere, but he's yeah not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, and then this year too. I'm like, it's also there's also hip hop this year, and uh, I'm really excited about that stage. It's going to be an outdoor stage, and I know it's ambitious in January to do an outdoor stage, but I think that's kind of what's going to make it more interesting. I hope it, in a weird way. I mean, so last year the weather was 50 degrees. And it, it was, was very nice. It was incredible, and it certainly had a lot to do with the success of the event. Absolutely, but I'm hoping that the fact that everybody had such a great time at it last year. They'll remember that even if it is snowing a little bit. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, as long as it's not like negative like, 10 degrees or 20 degrees. If it's snowing a little bit, just get some asshole outside with like a portable hot chocolate stand. Yeah. And you'll be gold. I want to get some of those fire barrels. I don't know anything about that game. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you anybody in the fire barrel game? No, I don't. If anybody knows anything, send me a message. Yeah. Please send Josh a message if you're a fire barrel specialist (laughs) i'm looking for some of those but the uh so the outdoor stage will be fun this year and uh i teamed i teamed up with some people on that going back to that uh like daily bread is going to be is they're the sponsor for that stage and so is taylor gang okay uh which is awesome uh i'm really happy to have those both of them on board but it's all i don't know we're calling it the beat stage and hip-hop and electronic stuff and uh it won't go too long it'll probably be from like four to eleven or so but that's going to be outside in the parking lot of Alter Bar. And I don't know. We'll see how that goes. We'll see how it goes. So, you know, for moving forward, if we can do more stages like that. Is there anything else this year that's new to the event? I'm sure there's a lot, but anything specifically that maybe you're really excited about? Yes. That, uh... Specifically um, is the comedy stuff. Okay. I don't know. I just wanted to try something a little bit off the wall. And even though it's a music festival, I feel like 
There's room no, to have I think comedy. That, I think there's room to have like definitely those breaks mm-hmm. from anything for sure. In uh, I think the comedy is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And we have a couple podcasts. We have this podcast going to do a live one with some of the bands. Yep, yep. Um, and Drinking Partners is also going to do a separate one there. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do that at at Maggie's Farm Rum Room, uh, which I think is perfect for Drinking Partners at a rum distillery. Yeah, so. duh. And that's also where we're going to do all the comedy programming. It just feels like that's the right place for it. So yeah, you know, that's if you want to take a break for a little bit or if you're somebody who ends up getting dragged down there with your friends and you don't want to watch the crazy music like you have that yeah there's something else going on and i also like i really want to encourage like although there's food trucks and some awesome food trucks i really want to encourage people to experience the strip and really go through it yeah like go check out the the restaurants that are already there you know and like 21st street coffee is incredible and marty's market's awesome you know and Little Bangkok is a great Thai restaurant, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, I want people to also experience, like, what's already there. That's sort of the idea, you know? Yeah, so. it's, uh, it's, that's another thing that's really, really cool about the festival is that even though it's the Strip District Music Fest, in a way, it is like the Strip District Festival. Yeah. I feel like you could remove music from that mm-hmm. altogether and it'd still be completely accurate. Yeah. Because it is, like, really, like, a celebration of the neighborhood. Sure. The Strip, it's, that's such a dense area Mm -hmm. there's so much going on there and there's a couple places that i had never even been in before or heard of that i went to last year just because i had friends that were playing there yeah so you get to like stick your head in and see some things and and really walk around for sure i think that that's that's what's cool about it too i don't know i there's a lot to see in the strip and now especially is a good time to see it because it's evolved a lot over the years i mean obviously i mean it's a very historical neighborhood everybody knows that but I mean, even within the past five years, it's it's really different, uh, and it's only going to even get more crazy. Like you know, with all the condos that are being yeah, built, yeah, you know, and... it's it's wild. I feel like <clears throat> Pittsburgh. You know, I've lived here all my life, and I think you have too, right? Um, for most of it, yeah. I mean, essentially, yeah. Okay, yeah. We're not. I mean, aside from maybe like. I was going to say, aside from like maybe some concert venues like disappearing, like overall, we're not really losing things. We keep kind of getting more mm-hmm. and like every little area kind of like is doing its own sort of like improving and on the come up. Like there yeah. aren't, it's, it's really, really neat to see how much like stuff is coming into Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm like really curious and like how intense it's going to get, like, and what, like, the cost of living might be exactly in 10 years from now yeah. if like things keep coming here sure, and people that's keep coming a concern, here yeah like being in east liberty now fucks me up mm-hmm. because it looks so I different know. it's weird it's crazy yeah like, it's like, it doesn't even feel like you're driving like, i grew the same... up in the east end yeah so it's just yeah it doesn't look like the same area at mm-hmm. all in in a way like it's nice to see like change and uh and this growth and at the same time it you have to preserve you know what's gotten you to that point you know and i think that's that's a hard balance and uh i feel like the strip kind of does a good job at balancing that i mean well as of now I yeah mean, we'll see what happens moving forward but uh i don't know all the plans that i see of things coming up there uh you know over the next couple years looks crazy you yeah know? so i had mentioned before just like losing venues and stuff like that how do you feel just about like the music venues that we have in Pittsburgh right now? Do you think it's like better, worse, or just different than maybe it was 10 years ago? It's definitely different. I mean, like, fucking Laga upstage like, yeah. was the shit. And oh, I feel, I feel so shows. bad for anyone who never got to experience yeah. that. There was something completely different about those shows there. Yeah. you know, And the fact that, like, no matter what the show was on a Tuesday, there were still people there, you know? Like, I think it had a lot to do with you know, being on college campus, you know, yeah, Oakland in general has changed for the worse because yeah. that place used to be the shit. Yeah. Like the original Beehive. Mm-hmm. It's now a fucking T-Mobile store. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, I mean, I, tru- I truly miss Logan. There was all like the, the upstage, the little like uh, the little punk stores. Yeah. And like CD store. It was such a cool I mean, area. As long as we still have Mad Max, I'm cool. <laughs> I love Mad Max. That's the one thing that, uh, <laughs> That stuck around. Yeah. They sold out, though. It's yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. I love it's that okay. next, too. I'm addicted. I have a problem. 
I have no problem uh, always being at least 15 minutes distance from a Mad Max, no yeah. matter where I'm at in the city. <laughs> For sure. It's so good. What is, what's your favorite thing at Mad Max? Uh, I, I go back and forth a little bit. I like the happy hippie uh, quesadilla. Yeah? Yeah, that's like the one with like the mushrooms bomb. and the spinach and it's shit, right? It's pretty bomb. Yeah, it is pretty good. Yeah, and they got those nice bean dips. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the black bean dip. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You're making me hungry. Yeah, we should go to Mad Max. Yeah, we should. Half off. <laughs> <laughs> but Laga, Pittsburgh, oh, there's plenty of other venues, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you just think it's different. Like, yeah. you don't think it's better or worse or... I don't. It's hard I think, to I say. Mean, it's, I think it's I mean, better. I mean, I think the whole do? music scene in general in Pittsburgh is better than it was five years because ago. like i mean you are someone who has been promoting like, i don't know many promoters who have probably been doing this as consistently in the same concentrated area as you mm-hmm. um at least like in this the demographic of music that we listen to yeah are I mean, there any was... other promoters that have been doing this for like this uh, long in pittsburgh I mean, yeah, I mean there's a handful of them the you know the guys that have been around longer than i have you know that are still doing it i mean it's hard man it's hard being a promoter and in that game like it's especially i guess probably like what i'm struggling with currently is uh the fact that there's so much music and it's so much to remember and uh i think that that's like the hardest thing right now is i i honestly i'm having a hard time remembering like you could i could hear any song before and know exactly who it was but now i'm like i don't like I need to Shazam this. Like <laughs> I have no idea. Like so I say that because thinking about like these older dogs that were around before me doing these shows like I understand now like why it's hard to stay in the loop about you know with what's going on and like what's relevant musically. Like I'm not even that, I'm not even that old. Like I'm 28, but like I find myself like getting so caught up in like the day-to-day promotions and like mm-hmm. you know the daytimes I'm spending my time like booking shows. I'm spending my time promoting what we currently have and then at night times i'm at the shows and you can only you can't really listen to other music at the yeah. shows because it's so loud i don't know if it's an age thing more as it is a, a technology thing and an option paralysis because of how much stuff is thrown at you constantly yeah. everything is so accessible mm-hmm. you know like 10 years ago you didn't have like an entire encyclopedia of every local band that trying to make it sending yeah. you their demo mm-hmm. on your phone. Yeah. I'm sure you get plenty of messages from mm-hmm. bands that are trying to come through and tour that you can't help, but yeah. you still have to like go through and respond to it. Yeah. And it's probably like exhausting. It is. And that's a hard thing. Cause you know, we do so many shows and I don't, I can't book everything like I used to. And uh, just because it wears on like our team so much and like we use up our resources promoting the shows if we do too many shows. So I have to now be a little bit more picky about what we're doing, uh, which makes it hard because I like to connect with these bands before they have agents and managers. Um, just I really like establish a relationship early. I like to, but it's hard to now, you know, for me, you know, at mm-hmm. this point. But uh, I mean, I certainly think... Uh, I would say probably after Laga closed, there was a good four-year, three or four-year period where the the music scene kind of sucked. Um, and in 2009, you know, I started doing shows at the Smiling Moose, and because there there wasn't, I mean, Roboto was doing some shows, but uh, you know, at the original location, and but there wasn't really any other places to do small all ages shows. You know, like things for a hundred and two hundred people. So that's whenever, you know, I went to a show at the Moose and I was like, well, this is perfect, actually. Like, let's try to do some real shows here. So the first show that I ever, I did it at the Smiling Moose was Anti-Flag for People Were the Gun uh, release show. Um, but since then, I'm not like, I'm not saying that that had, a, you know, everything to do with it, but it certainly brought this this attention back to people doing small all-ages shows. And... uh there wasn't really bands doing the emo stuff either at that point, you know, like, I don't know. I was like dreaming of like reliving five years prior to that. But, uh, but now I don't know. Like I was still trying to like do these like emo shows, you know, in 2009, 2012, uh, something like that. And, uh, and then this weird thing happened, balancing composure started and like a lot of spew started doing this and all these young kids, 
uh, were stoked on emo again. Yeah. Uh, And that's whenever more DIY shows started happening in Pittsburgh. And uh, now there's a lot of spaces to do it, which is awesome. Swat stand up. Swat stand up. It's your boy, Ian Insect, the unstable fable, the pseudo-sociopath, the drum major of chaos. Unparalleled. I got this show, Ian Insect is Evil, Aaron on the Epicast Network. You can catch it anytime you want to at epicastnetwork.com. Unprecedented. Yo, yo, get official, get superficial. We talk about all kinds of things on my show. Art, history, death, disappointment, the nature of reality and its relation to the core concepts of human interaction, and of course, these nuts. Unpredictable. Not in the good way. Hey, who knows what to expect, but you gotta respect that everybody's suspect from the perspective of Inspector Insect. I'm here to remind everyone of the demons we all aid, abet, resent, and harbor, and I'm here to remind you that you're all loved anyway. <laughs> Not really. Anyway. He's insincere. He's insecure. He's insensitive. He knows a lot of words, but above all else, Ian Insect is evil. Do you ever go to any, uh... Like little DIY shows. I don't get to go as much as I as I would like to, to be honest, you know. And and I have this weird thing where like it's hard for me to enjoy the shows without like getting out of the zone. Like in Pittsburgh, like if I go to another show, I tend to subconsciously judge everything. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, you know I what I'm see, saying no, I, I'm the same way. And uh, and once you're behind the curtain, you're behind it. You can't. It's it's it. You it's know? hard. So yeah. I I really like going out of Pittsburgh and like going to a venue I don't know and actually really enjoying the shows. Uh, now at this point, unfortunately, you know what I mean. I just we're just so deep. It's hard to do it. Yeah. right? But every once in a while, like I'll, yeah, I'll go to like some shows and. I still, I don't know. I feel like old at them, even though, even though I know I'm not that old. I just think that you're not maybe old as far as uh, your years as a human, but you're certainly weathered as far as going to shows. Yeah. Do oh. you? Uh, is it harder for a band to impress you live with how many like bands you've seen, or do you still find yourself like genuinely like, like ah, uh, like you can recognize a good band like if you see them. I wouldn't say it's hard. I mean, you're not like that jaded. No, I, no you don't seem jaded. At I don't all, think so. Actually, yeah. no, I, I recognize it pretty quickly. I'm like, oh, you know, whenever a band's good, like, it doesn't really take long to be able to tell that they're good. You yeah, know, they have something going on. On topic, but off topic a little bit. This is just kind of like just like a fun. Like, I just thought of it, so I'll just shoot it at you. Sure. So, like music, you like a lot of music. I like some let's, music. Let's, let's talk about guilty pleasures for a minute. I'm just curious if mm-hmm. you have any thing that you that some people might think is a guilty pleasure uh, personally like i've i don't i think the idea of a guilty pleasure is bullshit like i yeah. like what i like i don't care yeah i i'm not afraid to like whatever yeah you know um but i guess to some people like they would think it's funny that i really really like the new carly ray jepsen album i've heard a lot of people it's awesome. talking it up yeah it's so good i love great poppy songs but uh i don't know i tend i catch myself these days going backwards a little bit as as far as like what I've been listening to and I don't know, like misfits are always like my go-to and Deftones are always the go-to. I listen to a ton of Copeland. What's, what's it like getting to uh book bands that you really, really like, like and getting to interact with them. Do you ever like fanboy out at all? Or do you try to just like be super cool? Like, Hey, nice to have you guys here. Uh, and then in the, in the while, corner, I'll you're fan- like, Oh my God. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll fanboy a little bit, like, <laughs> but it's always on the funniest show. Like, I really fanboyed on, I was able to book the, the Juliana Theory's last show ever. Okay. I'm still, that's like one of my favorite shows ever. And looking back on it, I was like, well, I was like, that's whenever like, I just started doing shows at Alter Bar. The venue like kind of wasn't there yet. Like it still kind of sucked. But uh, so now I'm like, man, like I feel bad that that was like, I put them in that situation. It was their last show, you know, but it was still really incredible. And uh, I definitely fanboyed with Brett Detter. And I, I know he knows it. And like, I'll email him still like every once in a while. And like, I don't know, maybe one of these days, like I'll actually get him back here to do something for the festival. Yeah. And I definitely tried this year. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Do you have like one show in general that maybe is like a, like a top tier, like, holy shit, I can't believe I pulled that off type of thing? 
Like, have you ever, like, reached out to artists that maybe you felt were, like, a little bit, like, out of your, like, league to, yeah. like, bring them in? And, like, it like it worked? And you're yeah. like, yes. Yeah. Um, it's hard for me to think about all the shows. Um, but I would say recently I was really proud of uh, the Godspeed You Black Emperor show. Okay, yeah. I've been trying to book them for since 2003. And uh, I don't know what it was. Like, the timing just might have been so perfect. Uh but I, like, I sent an email. Re- I knew that they were coming out with a new album, so I emailed the agent. I was like, hey, man, is there anything we could do? Like, try to get Pittsburgh in this. They haven't been here since they played CMU in 2003. That was a really special show because I was I literally tried to book them my whole come up. And, uh, yeah. and I finally got to. And uh, to some, I mean, that show did really well, and like it, they're a re- really relevant band to a lot of people, but they're also not relevant at all to a lot that's, of people. That's the weird thing about bands like that. That's the thing is whenever I saw the show got announced and saw it was at Carnegie, mm-hmm. I was like, are there really that many people that like this band? Yeah. I guess so. I guess mm-hmm. that's the type of band that like they can play a tour that has like eight or ten shows, and people will drive two or three states yeah. to go come see them. That. That I the concept of that is crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Like how perfect would that be? Yeah. If you could put yourself into that situation oh God, where you're like a little DIY band that's like they they they're doing whatever the fuck they want to do. Yeah. And they can play like a minimal amount of shows. Mm-hmm. People flock to it. That's the best. Like that's how do you get into that position? Yeah. Like how like the thing that like, the, the really big band I think of when I think of that metaphor like that method now which is actually relevant because they're about to tour again is tool mm-hmm. who like they were always so fucking weird against the grain but somehow a lot of people like them and they can charge like 150 dollars yeah. base price for a ticket and people like gobble it up and i think that goes back it's to wild. a little bit like you said that they were doing anything they want like that they're, they sort of live in their own little bubble and i think that that's like really what really matters at that point like once you've worked so hard as a band, once you get to the point where you're like, fuck it, I just want to do whatever I want, you yeah. know, like, that's whenever you become very relevant. Yeah, it's, you know? it's, it's hard. Either I mean, you, like, you, brand new, like, it's crazy. Like, that, that, that fucks me up. I cannot, I can't tell you how many times I've been in rooms with people talking about brand new and nobody knows who the fuck you're talking about, mm-hmm. but Anytime I'm in fucking Jackson Southside, brand new's playing. I'm looking around like, who the hell is listening to this yeah. right now? They, I mean, last time they played at Stage AE, the tickets sold out in like five minutes. Yeah, it's insane. What's the cap on Stage AE? Like, that's a lot of people, I, I'm right? I'm not sure if that was indoor or outdoor, but yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people. That's a lot of people yeah. for five minutes yeah. for a band that like... That doesn't not really many have pe- commercial success. Like, yeah. If they do a little bit, but like... But not, not really. Not on the level that other bands that play Stage AE have yeah. that don't sell out Stage exactly. AE. Yeah. You know? It's insane. It truly is. How does that work? It just, like... I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, and I think that that's, that's an interesting point. Even, like, I don't know, like, Code Orange right now? Like, yeah. They do whatever they want. And that's why it works. You know? Like... They don't try to fit into a certain mold. Like, yeah, they might be in the hardcore world. They might also cross out into the metal scene. But uh, they don't have, like, a a glass ceiling of, like, what they have to stay within, you know? And I think that's what makes them appealing, you know? Yeah. Especially. Yeah, I think there's just, there's some, like, these bands just kind of luck out on the sense that people latch on to what they're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because there's a lot of people that are doing whatever the fuck they want to do and just like, it's not clicking. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly. There's no real <laughs> solution. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, just keep doing it. Yeah. That's it. That's what I would say. So, just I mean, like working. on the subject of uh, to keep doing things and here we are, you know, all these years later of you promoting shows and stuff. And like, I was just thinking it's funny because Punchline's about to put out an album where they, the album's out now, right? Today, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Today. And, uh, it's funny, you know, it's like, you're still booking. They were one of the first bands that you booked Mm -hmm. and you know, you're friends with those guys and here all these years later, it's like, you're still doing your thing and they're doing their thing. And it's cool. Is it cool to see like it all like still, yeah, coming absolutely. together. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm doing their album release show next week. Like, <laughs> it's awesome, you know, and I love, uh, I love being a part of that, you know, and I don't know. I always find it interesting to watch a band grow, and uh, that's really what I, 
I find passion in. I think, you know, that's, that's what I'm really most interested in. Like, uh, and I'll talk about like the front bottoms, you know what I mean? Like that's a band that like I did their first show here and it wasn't really that great. Like they were awesome, great band, but there was not really anybody there to see them. Um, so what we'd, I'd do is put them on like these other bills with like the composure and, you know, other things and, uh, build a show around them to kind of get them to expose to people a little bit. And then the last show I knew was going to sell out, uh, at altar. I didn't expect it to sell out in five days, you know, like that's crazy, but I was very proud. And like, I know there's a lot more people involved and things that had to be put in place to get that band there. And they worked really hard. Um, but it feels really good, like to be a part of that, uh, in some capacity, you know what I mean? And, and the cool thing about those guys right now is that they're still like amazed that that happens like that that's uh, this is happening right now to them uh they were so cool they loaded their own gear and like you know like yeah they had a small crew have you ever like come across a situation with like a band that like you saw in the beginning that were like kind of cool and like what behind the ears but then like over the years they just got like kind of douchey has that ever happened uh it's hard to say really i'm i'm sure there's something I'm having a hard time thinking yeah. about right now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure that would there just, is. That would just suck. Like, yeah. I'm sure it has to happen. I love seeing like, like seeing bigger artists like doing shit like at their shows. Like like Hank Williams the third, like he loads his gear. It's crazy, you know. Like he doesn't have to do that. Like it's Hank Williams the third. You know what yeah, I mean? But it's like well, it's awesome. What else is he gonna do? It's yeah. what he's there to do. You know? I love that. Move around, get stuff done. And Corrosion of Conformity did that last night. Like. Uh, they played a show and they were loading their gear at the end. Like they're old dudes. It's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to wrap up here in a few minutes. Cool. Uh, we're coming up on an hour, but, uh, if we want to get back to anything with the strip district fest, any sort of plugs or things, I know that we should mention that you can donate to the artists. Yeah. I was going to say that you, you want to specifically donate to Sykes and the new violence that's right. and or gray Walker gray Walker. Yeah. Yeah, it's real. I don't know. Or anyone, anyone, anyone that you're friends with. It doesn't yeah. matter. I think that that's, that was, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly the thing I was going to plug for it. It was, so the way that this event is structured uh, is that it's pay what you want. So you, you don't actually have to have a ticket to walk into any venue. Uh, and I want that to feel free flowing like that for, you know, uh, I think that is, that's what <laughs> makes it much event more cool. of a hassle if you did it. Anyway. It would be much more of a hassle too. <laughs> but, uh, this is the way that literally the bands are making money is if you go on the strip district music fest website uh, and click the donate tab, there's two different options. You can make a donation. That's a group donation across the board for $25 or $50. Um, and either each one includes different things like t-shirts and VIP lounges, stuff like that. Uh, and then your balance goes to the artist and 75% of that balance gets split amongst all the bands equally. Um, but then if you want to donate to a specific artist, you can uh, do that on Square Cash, uh, which you could, I have a direct link on the website. Uh, but if anybody's familiar with Square Cash, it's super easy. All you do is you uh, download the app, Square Cash, uh, type in your debit card information. It literally takes 10 seconds to do. Uh, your account is set. And then you, they call it a cash tag. So cash tag, which is a dollar sign, SDMF 2015. I'm sorry, 2016. And then you could choose whatever amount you want to donate to a specific artist. Just make sure you choose in the notes. You type in the notes what band it is. Uh, and then 75% of that donation will go directly to that artist. Uh, and I think that that's really important because this is how, uh, you know, the bands make money. And uh, I think that's important too. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's making music ain't free. That's right. And uh, putting together these events isn't free either you know there's a lot of aside from money there's a lot of time and hard work that Mm -hmm. goes into this so to like for all of the bands and promoters and locations involved in this make sure that like that this is a free thing but you should come being willing to like contribute back to the something to the circle yeah I mean, if, if you can, if For not, sure. then, you know, walk around, watch the bands. Yeah. It's great. Have yeah, fun. Absolutely. But definitely, I think, like, fucking help them out. Yeah. So you can find that on stripdistrictmusicfest.com to find out more info on that. You sure can. 
Is there anything else you want to say? I think that's it. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. We did it. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Really, really glad that I finally got to sit down with Josh and have him on the show. Learn a little bit about his past. uh, Talk to him about our you know, the way we view things that are going on right now, currently, and uh, most importantly, just talk about the Strip District Music Fest, which again, you can find all the information about that at stripdistrictmusicfest.com. There's a Twitter page for it, Facebook, Instagram, you know how fucking social media is. You can find it. It's not hard. Look for it. Be there. It's January 16th. Even if, uh, I'll, I'll even go out on a limb and say that if you don't live in Pittsburgh, but you live like an hour or two, maybe even three hours away from the city, this is an event that is worth coming to Pittsburgh for. Uh, Trust me, it's great. The lineup's great. The venues are great. And it's going to be a blast. So, hey, if you don't come, you snooze, you lose. But anyways, I'll be back next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. I am Sykes. Start the beat. 2015. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.